0: Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for Thursday, April 7th, 2022. I'm back. Hi, I'm Aaron Schatz. I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders. Joined today by Mike Tanier and Brian Knowles for our latest check-in on the NFL offseason. So today on the show... We're going to talk about Brian's snap weighted age article and the most, uh, the youngest and oldest teams in the NFL and where those teams are going. And then we're going to do a little check in on free agency and the best uh, remaining free agents and where we think that they're going. So, gentlemen, let's start by talking about uh, young teams and old teams. Uh, the, the article was headlined, Tom Brady is old, because every time, Brian, that you do this article, it, Tom Brady gets older and older and still won't go away.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Tom Brady's team in three of the past four years has been the oldest team in the league by snap-weighted, uh, snap-weighted age. And his offense, three out of the last four years, has been the oldest of snap-weighted age. And he's just getting older. Uh <laughs> There have been 23 players in the history of the NFL to start double-digit games uh, at age 40 or over. Tom Brady is five of them. He broke the record for oldest player this year, which was set by Tom Brady, who broke the oldest record set by Tom Brady the year before. And just his his numbers alone just blow everything else out of whack.
0: All right, let's talk about the youngest teams first, though, even though we we headlined with the oldest teams, but Mike found a really good youngest team headline, which is, uh, hey, look! The Cincinnati Bengals were in the Super Bowl, kids, like, yes. and they're one of the youngest teams in the NFL.
2: Doesn't that, you know, augur well for their future? Does it correlate? I mean, I, I've found in the past that the correlation between youth and like improving is it's not huge. But yeah, the problem is that the problem
0: is that you end up with a mix. We end up with like very little correlation between age and DVOA, because you end up with a mix of young teams on the rise and young teams that are garbage. <laughs> there is a
1: consistent slight correlation between DVOA and age, but that's only because if you're still playing in the NFL when you're 30, 31, 32, you're probably better than the average player.
0: Right. You know, yeah, the, yeah, if la- Tom Brady probably sets that off all by himself, speaking of Tom Brady. Yes, yes, he does. We'll, we'll get back to that, but yeah but so, so, you know, uh, yeah the detroit lions were the youngest team in the nfl last year and they fell like significantly from the year before so that i think that's a positive to me because that shows that they're serious about rebuilding yeah yeah they dropped from 12th to
1: 32nd in snack at age they were the fourth youngest team we've ever recorded going back to 2006 uh I remember, two years ago, they, you know, yeah, they got rid of Matthew Stafford, but they also had Marvin Jones taking snaps, Danny yeah. Amendola taking snaps, Adrian <laughs> Peterson taking snaps. There, there's no sense in having those kind of players if you're terrible because they're not going to get better for you. Yeah. They, they only only had one 30 something on offense, at period. Only one, only uh, uh, Darren Fells, and he was released in November. Every single other offensive player was under the age of 30. They, they were yet, yet bottom five, both wide receiver and offensive line. Amon Rasay Brown uh, had 90 receptions, which is the 10th most all-time for someone 22 or younger. This is they've got this. They, they're doing exactly the right thing if you want to
2: rebuild. Get rid of anyone who might not be there in five years, and just see what you've got. You really brought me back to the Matt Patricia era there with all those names. Mohamed Sanu might have been in that list, or maybe that was the year before. I think it was the year before, but yeah, ex- exactly. It's those kind of players. Like when, you're,
1: you're getting, when you have those players, you think you're going to be contending. But you're the Lions and you're bad. You need to get rid of these players so you can build for the next good Lions team whenever that may be. So let's compare that
0: to the Houston Texans because the Houston (laughs) Texans, right? Detroit was 32nd in snap-weighted age. The Mm -hmm. Houston Texans, also a rebuilding team, were 10th. Oh, God. Yeah. Because they were picking up all those
1: players. Oh. Yeah, all those veterans on one-year contracts who it didn't make sense at the time because a you're you're not contending, and b even though those players do become good now they're free agents again and you have to pay for them again. So, i, I if anyone can
2: explain Houston's just general organizational philosophy, you'd hit first. And I think they're brought back some of those one-year contract guys on other one-year contracts this year. But generally speaking, not the ones like you said who successfully are moving on. It's like, oh, let's let's pay you a year at a time when you're a 28-year-old veteran. Um, yeah. mind-boggling. mind-boggling. The other
0: team. I was going to say, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike.
2: Yeah, and, and you look at a team like the Lions, and, and people will say, okay, you had Amendola or whatever. What's the harm? especially when you stink when you're a young team. Well, I'm on St. Brown's example of a guy. He's got to get opportunities. He's got to get opportunities in camp. He's got to get opportunities to get snaps to get 90 catches or whatever he had last year. And, and while, you know, it wasn't a great season for the Lions, you can look at young talent on that group and say that was, that was worth it. You know, it was worth
1: developing. And they got the better over the years. They got older and more experienced, which is exactly your plan if you're a rebuilding team.
2: Right. Jay Molnar 94 says,
0: wasn't the Texans thought process around getting a lot of comp picks? Well, they added a bunch of free agents. So you don't get comp picks for adding. I guess the idea is if those free agents signed elsewhere, they would get comp picks next year. But the types of free agents that they had were not the kind that signed big contracts. So yeah, I believe, it, I believe you have to sign, I think it's
1: $3.5 million to be eligible for comp uh, uh, picks. And they send a bunch of what like the $2, 3000000 million range. So they're, they're not grabbing the kind of players who you would get value for if they left.
0: By the way, I'm going to surprise you with one other team that was in the 10 oldest, that's sort of a rebuilding team that surprises me that they were so old last year. And that's the Chicago Bears. Oh,
2: gosh. Mm-hmm. But,
0: but I, they got rid of a lot of their older guys, right? This off season, like no more alan robin keem hicks and and they're moving Back. on from a lot of guys yeah
1: there's kind of an exodus going on there of a lot of veterans which probably does not bode well for this season but it's something that probably should have happened a year or two ago
2: right and that's an example yeah. of a team that we all thought boy they should be rebuilding and they were in let's save the gm's job let's save the head mm-hmm. coach's job so you're running dalton out there all, you know at quarterback for half the season you've got a lot of other veterans on defense um, so and that's where they were. I am surprised. I'm looking at that Raiders at 25.9, and I what part of it is the offensive line was extremely young. That's
1: ex- that's essentially it. They had the youngest offensive line in the league. All five primary starters are 26 or younger. They just jested everybody, and they basically just rebuilt only the offensive line. <laughs> right. Interesting. It, it kind
2: kind of worked a little bit. Maybe <laughs> it it kind of worked because obviously Molten's a heck of a player. And I think they found that center that they just grabbed yeah. out of nowhere and he turned out to be a really good center. Uh, and we and I think we have something on the site. I think Vince wrote about Leatherwood and, and their yeah. continuity on the offensive line this week. Um, but you're right because I've started working on my stuff for the book and it's like, well, Raiders, twenty veteran team under Gruden, veteran team under Gruden. They are, but not at every position. And it's very, it's very hard to sort of get a sense of where they were roster-wise last year.
0: They were pretty young at receiver too, except for yeah. Deshaun Jackson. I think that's
2: that's where there's always like a guy who's old and then you don't see that he's rotating with like younger guys who may or may not be good. Obviously some of them were pretty good. Like I keep forgetting the center's name, but like uh, a lot of them were just guys.
1: (laughs) The the team that's most interesting to me on this list here are the Jaguars who were pretty young overall, but they had the third oldest receiving core in the league last year with Marvin Jones had 120 targets, which was the second most in the league for a 30 something behind only Travis Kelsey. Uh, Trevon Austin was in the top 25 for targets oh, among gosh. 30-somethings.
2: Say Laquan Treadwell. Say Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell and Jamal Agnew are the
1: young players. They were already 26, so they're not that young. It, the Jaguars need an entirely
0: new receiving room. So I fact, wrote here in my notes, Jacksonville, particularly young at quarterback and defensive back, surprisingly old at wide receiver. Yes.
2: <laughs> uh Well, I mean, um, Kirk, Kirk gets some younger. Well, th- Zay Jones got him younger. Zay Jones has been in the league five no, or six Zay years. No, Zay Jones has been around
0: for five or six years. That's not a young receiving group there. It's just not. Especially if they're going to start Marvin Jones again.
2: I just – I'm sorry. I just looked at their depth chart, and I still saw Davon Austin, Laquan Wedwell on there. After all of this off season of spending on wide receivers, and I just want to leave the podcast now and go soak my head. Yeah, it's, it's it's like the idea that these guys are still going to be getting opportunities. They won't. I mean, they won't make it through camp or whatever. But that that's where this roster is It's just mind blowing. The other one that I
0: found interesting is Cleveland because we thought Cleveland was a young team on the rise, and they sort of are. They missed the playoffs, but they're a young team. They're very young, near the bottom of the league. And the other thing is DVOA thinks they're on the rise. Like Cleveland actually had a better rating last year at eight and nine than they did the year before making the playoffs. Huh. So, um, you know, they still seem like a young team on the rise. They're just not, not, you know, everybody just expected the rising to happen a lot faster than it actually is taking place.
1: It should also be noted that a lot of the Browns' youth is uh, centered in the secondary because they've spent oh, man. so many draft picks there over the past couple of years. Uh, they're the youngest second in the league. Denzel Ward was the first round pick in twenty eighteen. Greedy Williams second in twenty nineteen. Grant Delpit second in twenty twenty. Greg Newsom first round pick in twenty twenty one. They've put a lot of draft capital in that secondary, so yeah. a lot of their youth is really focused in that in that back, uh, you know, the back of the defense, as opposed to being spread out among the roster. Huh.
0: And the other team that we have in our graphic we should point out is the Panthers. I mean, you know, that's not a shock that they're very yeah. young, particularly tight end running back and defensive back. Also their secondary is young, even with the Stefan Gilmore trade. They were pretty young one two or no? not particularly the offensive
1: line. Mean, I, I think they're, I think they're about average, but not as young as you, as you would hope. I think
2: if you were in the Panthers situation, good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, the, the Panthers are the Panthers. That's that's kind of it.
0: Well, I mean, you, you know, I, I think the Panthers become interesting if they draft a quarterback. If they don't draft a quarterback, then th- there's really nothing interesting going on there at all.
1: Yeah, it feels like they're two or three moves short of actually being done with this offseason. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, let's look at the oldest teams. We have a graphic for the oldest teams also. And, of course, duh, at the top is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Tom Brady, but also the tight end position with Breit and Gronkowski. And the yep. defensive line is pretty old. Yeah, so. uh, yep. William goldston has been, yep. yep. been around a long time. Adama Kong has been around a long time. Then true. the Patriots.
1: Yeah, It's just interesting. If you, if you ignore quarterback, because and, 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 quarterbacks will often throw, throw this off every team, the Patriots were the oldest team in the league last year because they were basically only young. At, at quarterback with Mac Jones, right. they had the oldest uh, secondary in the league, oldest linebacker in the league. They had the oldest special teams we've ever recorded, going back to two thousand
2: six. Uh, uh, and that when you do special teams, I mean, Vanettiari was on teams for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but, he, they, they, they had Matthew Slater, Corey Matthew.
1: Davis, Justin Bethel, Brandon Bolden, all with two hundred fifty plus uh, special team snaps, all at thirty years or older. The rest of the league had eleven. A player is thirty or older who got 250 snaps and no more than one per team. The Patriots love all of these old special teams. I mean, some of that's some of that's intentional, you know, bringing back your captains or whatnot. Right. But also, you'd you'd expect your young draft picks to start filling in those spots. And the Patriots have kind of had a void at young draft picks for like three or four years, where you expect these players to come up.
0: I appreciate that the Patriots use roster spots on a special teams, specialists who are not kickers and punters. Right. Matthew Slater is a valuable player. There's no question about it. Yeah. The problem is, one, they used three of those spots last year. Right. Bolden at least played some offense. But Brandon King, Davis, and Slater play no offense or defense. Right. The other is they need to find a 22-year-old I mean, they're not going to find a 22-year-old Matthew Slater. They need to find a 22-year-old Brandon King or a 22-year-old Cody Davis. Like, they need one of these guys who's not 33 years old.
2: Right. They need Mac Hollins or they need Trent Schurfeld. And uh, yeah. I'm going a couple of guys who can actually play some offense still who are known as sort of special teams terrorists. And there's other guys around the league. Um, but they didn't get them. Are they getting younger this offseason? I know that they've had, like, some some losses, some retirements. Mm-hmm. Are they Are they getting younger?
0: I don't know how much younger they're getting. I mean, Shaq Mason trade, he may be replaced by a rookie. We'll see what happens in the draft. Uh, Dante Hightower, it seems, is not coming back. Yes. But otherwise, I mean, (laughs) Devin McCourty is coming back. Matthew Slater is coming back. Like... Um, Devontae Parker, a- Parker has been around for five years. It's not like they added a 22-year-old receiver. They added an old, like a receiver who's been around for a few years. Like They're not really jettisoning a, jettisoning a lot of older players, so I don't think they're getting particularly younger this year.
1: Yeah, and 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 they're old everywhere. They have the third oldest edge rushers. We didn't talk about the fourth oldest running back core in the league. We didn't talk about right. six oldest wide receivers in
0: the, in the, the
1: you know. The Patriots
0: had the fourth oldest running back group. They did. Yes, That is a shock, given that the two running backs were in their first and second years, but it must be Bolden. It must be all the snaps for Bolden. Yeah, I think, yeah, uh, fullbacks get grouped, grouped in with, with uh,
1: uh, running backs as well for this, which is why the 49ers are also high up there in, in running back age because we have Kyle Juszczyk yeah. taking a b- bunch of snaps.
0: Yeah. San Francisco being third in age does make right. sense. This is a contending team, right? right? I mean, and they didn't use their rookie quarterback <laughs> – offensive line is pretty old. The defensive backs were pretty old. It makes sense on paper, but it's it's
1: weird, the distribution. because yeah, the oldest, oldest offensive line in the league. That's going to happen when you bring in Alex Mack and Trent Williams in an offseason. That shot sure. that way up. Second yeah. oldest secondary, there was no plan for Josh Norman to get the most snaps in that, in that secondary. That was not part, that was not part yeah. of the decision-making that's process. the plan. No, but
0: the plan was for Jason Verrett to get the most yep. snaps in that secondary, and he's the same age. So
1: Yeah, and Quan Williams was 30, Jaquiski Tartar is 29, Jimmy Warburg was 30. They got an old secondary. That's got to change. But and they had the eighth oldest running back, so that's all Kyle Juszczyk. Then you flip it around, they have the seventh youngest wide receiver core in the league, the fifth youngest interior line, the fourth youngest linebackers. So they're, they're a team of extremes all over the roster. They're either very old or very young. They don't have a lot of guys right in the middle of their career. So they, They're kind of in a weird, strange traditional period as opposed to the uh, Buccaneers and Patriots who are both just old kind of everywhere.
2: Right. That's the 49ers in a nutshell. Seems like a strange transitional period where you have some guys who were who came together because they were had a Super Bowl on a couple of years ago. And the sort of quasi-rebuilding they had to do, including yeah. the guy on the bench who isn't part of snap-weighted DVOA, but, you know, Trey Lance. And then you just had, again, last year, the reinforcements. By the way, if the plan is for Jason Verrett to get the most snaps, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Moore is going to get the snaps. I mean, that's just how it goes, you
0: know. Um, I They'll be younger this year. That's a team that will be yeah. younger this year because the quarterback is going to be Lance. That's much younger. The defensive backs –
2: Ward now at corner, so he's going to be one of their corners, and he's younger than Norman. So, yeah, Aubrey Thomas is probably going to get a lot more
1: snaps because he started getting snaps at the end of the year. He's he was twenty two, so that's going to drop that that age significantly.
2: Right. Uh, Arizona team, which, is an older team. Mm-hmm. That's just they're just what 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 are the Cardinals doing year to year? What's going on? I I mean I know it was Chandler Jones, it's J.J. Watt, it's A J Green. Yeah. Why? But-
1: uh, also, third oldest offensive line with Beecham, Garcia, Pew, and Hudson. You know, they're, they're old all the over, they're old all over the place.
2: Yeah, on the offensive line, one of the things is when I'm trying to analyze the Cardinals, which luckily I don't have to do very much because they are not one of my FOA teams and no one ever asks questions about them because they're the Cardinals. Uh, but I'll look at their offensive line and my first glance is like, oh, they're kind of set there because I recognize everybody's name and I know they've started for a while. And you lose track of the fact that like, oh, they're... They led the league in bot snaps. This guy's 31. This guy's just a journeyman at 32. You really should buy watch his state before you assume they're set there. And, again, that's a problem for a team that seems to be trending in two different directions.
0: The trade for Zach Ertz, yes. too, by the way. useful title points out. That yes. an age. Uh, Jay Molnar says, it does seem like these competitive teams stick with old players forever. Like the Steelers are just starting to turn over their roster after such a long time being so old, especially on the offensive line. And yeah. by the way, the Steelers did this a few years ago. I don't remember exactly how many years ago it is, but something like six or seven years ago, The Ste- like in Palomalu's last couple of years, yes. the Steelers were like among the oldest defenses we had ever tracked. And then they right. had to totally turn over their defense. And now it's kind of their offense that needs to be turned over. Right. And that makes sense to a certain extent. When you're when you're competitive, you want to keep your
1: core together for as long as possible. Right. You know, teams get older when when you try to when you're trying to maximize that that competitive window. And right. that's and that's kind of fine. Teams get older, then all of a sudden you rebuild, you go back down, you do the Lions thing, and you go back down to the beginning of the league, and you build back up again. That's right. kind of just the natural life cycle of of a uh, of a regular contender.
2: Yeah, which I is know why, why I don't. Talk about people.
0: These older players for the Patriots. As a Patriots fan, I'm glad Devin McCourty is coming back.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. keeping you know, the Super I mean, Bowl nucleus a year longer, two years longer. That's always makes sense because it is the Super Bowl nucleus.
0: Yeah, as long as you're good
1: and old, that's fine. Yeah. That, 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 that's, a, that's a problem for two or three years now. It's not a problem for right now. It's right. when you're it's when you like you're you're Arizona and you're not exactly you know setting the league on fire. Right. Even Tennessee, you've got the thirty-second oldest offense we've ever done, and you yeah, you won your division, but it's kind of a weak division. It's those kind of teams are you question like, well, is it worth keeping all these players together, or do we actually start the start a youth movement now to start at least looking at replacing some of these old players? For the Buccaneers, yeah, run it back. You you know you you got Brady for only how much how yeah. much
0: longer? Just keep going. Right. Forever. They have Brady forever. He's never going anywhere. He's going to lead off this article all every year until he retires
1: or the earth explodes, and I believe Brady's plus 200 to, to outlast that on uh,
2: DraftKings at the moment. Titans were the 22nd oldest ever? 22nd oldest offense ever. Julio. Julio uh, Brian Tannehill is 33.
1: I mean, he's that's yeah. the fifth oldest quarterback position in the league last season. Oh my uh, offensive line. Their awesome offensive line. line is older. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were, they were. They The Titans were older than average at every single position, except for the interior line, where they were youngest in football.
2: Oh, that's bizarre.
1: So they maybe they'll do this one position at a time, right? You know, over <laughs> over the course of the next decade, get younger at one position every year until they're and, back,
2: and, and stay in first place in that horrible, horrible division, even though you've never really put together a complete team. Exactly.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if wide receiver was the position they got a lot younger at now but with no Homer yeah. Julio Jones and yeah. draft somebody to play opposite A.J. Brown. and right.
2: Well, they got Woods. They brought in Woods. He's an older player at this point. At yeah,
0: point he's an, point. an older player. That's true. Yeah.
2: But they're going to have to – early rounds, they got to get a, a receiver.
0: Yeah. And by early they, round they I mean, mean first round. Running, they don't they have a second round pick. So, yeah.
2: It's interesting. We keep mentioning the draft. This is the
1: oldest draft class in—I forget the exact number. It's oh, yeah. been a, quite a number of years mm-hmm. because a lot of there a lot of players who got the extra year of eligibility because of COVID. So this is actually yeah. the oldest draft class in—I
2: uh, believe a decade, decade and a half, something like that—at right. the, the very minimum. Yeah, you'd have to go back to the days when not as many players came out at early ages when the rules were different. But yeah, I mean that's under, that's understandable though, and like yes. for some of these guys, uh, I, I've been doing some lower round guys, and I'm starting to see these guys six years in, in the NCAA. Like, not even, like, with red shirts in there, but, like, six years. And it's like, oh, yeah, in the fifth round, I'm fine talking about you as a prospect and everything. But, like, that's 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 a lot. I, I hope you got the most out of it. But, you know. I mean, that's
0: the thing is after six years in college, you're not a prospect. You are what you are. Like, yeah. you're, there's not going to be a lot of growth if you're 24 or 25 years old. Like, you're probably the player that you are at this point. There's no projecting there, really.
2: Right, right. And if you're, like, the eighth best at your position in the conference, you're not much of a prospect.
0: A couple of other uh, teams I wanted to point out just because I thought they were interesting mixes. Green Bay was very old on offense. Mm -hmm. And obviously the quarterback plays a big role in that. Mm -hmm. And young on defense. Huh. Yeah, it's the skill distance. B- 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 yes.
1: it's the scalp distance Green Bay, third oldest quarterback, uh, fifth oldest wide receivers, eighth oldest tight ends. You keep Aaron Rodgers happy by bringing in all his old friends, and, and then that, that brings that brings the age up significantly.
0: Right. Well, but the the youth is where they I mean with Zadarius Smith being injured, that was some older snaps right. that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. And they had to get younger, you know. They they, they're constantly drafting secondary players, and they don't care that much about off-ball linebackers, except you know signing Devondre Campbell, who I think was only like twenty-seven or something. He's not that old, so. Hmm. Um, And then they're interesting mixes that were the other direction, teams that are young on offense but old on defense. Minnesota. Yeah. New Orleans. And Philadelphia, (laughs) who also had the
2: youngest special teams in the league, woo. And Philly on defense has Fletcher Cox and all those guys still running around. Um,
1: Philly's basically Bizarro Green Bay. They they're the bottom three at quarterback, running back, wide receiver. They keep putting all those draft picks in like to their skill position players. You'd you'd hope they'd get younger, and you'd you'd hope they'd get better. And they've done at least one of those two things.
2: (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, and a lot of those you know they take they've had a lot of lower round picks, and those guys play special teams, and so their special teams have been really young yeah.
2: and I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that all those old Saints defensive players all got contract extensions, yep, so that number's going to keep going up and up for the next couple of years
0: except Quan Alexander, I think. Yeah, They haven't resigned called Alexander yet. He's, he's got to be
1: feeling left out, considering they brought everyone else back somehow. They they <laughs> they invented new forms of math
0: to get under the salary cap to get everyone else on there. And, and Jenkins, I guess, because Jenkins retired.
2: Jenkins retired. They were going to extend him. They were in the process of an extension when he retired. I wouldn't be shocked if they were in the process of an extension. They might still be in the process of an extension. <laughs>
0: Speaking of destination, New Orleans is a destination. I, so my big surprise is when i was on vacation i was kind of shocked at how few signings there were in free agency yeah and i came home and there's still few it feels like free agency has just shut down and there's still a lot of players out there like are we waiting now for after mini camps for teams to sign guys or teams not going to sign guys until june and july at this point because there's we're going to go through here some of the players. There are a number of quality veteran players still out there.
2: Yeah. This is the wait for the draft and see who you get for a lot of these guys. It's a little bit of wait for the minicamp and see who shows up. And I think for a lot of these older veterans, there's a mix of, yeah, you didn't have the market you thought you were going to have, so wait it out with – and I think I'm, I'm guessing some of the names we're about to say – a lot of people are anticipating you're just going back to your own team eventually, but you're going to try and drum things up until that.
0: Yeah. So let's uh let's start with Tyran Matthew because we were just talking about the Saints,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there's he's interested in the Saints because it would be going home for him,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the Saints are interested in
2: him, mm-hmm. they, and his agent was interested in making sure we all knew about the mutual interest, which is why we got 3000 pictures from rap and Schefter of him walking into the facility and everything to let us all know that this was happening.
0: (laughs) And yet it didn't happen. And I don't know how much money the saints have to make it happen. obviously there's a, there's a match there because of Jenkins retiring and he would fit that role. The other team that I've seen it suggested for him was the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where they Colbert- haven't brought back Edmonds at strong safety and they could use a player like Matthew. Kevin Colbert had
1: an interesting comment a couple of weeks ago. He said, we, we have starting caliber players at 24 of 25 positions and safety is, is the one that's missing oh. there. They are that they're counting Mitch Trubisky as being, you know, a starting caliber player, but okay, whatever. The fact that he came out and said, yeah, we need a safety really does uh, put fuel on that fire.
0: I, I, the funny thing is, um, when he says 24 of 25 positions, I'm like, are you counting kicker, punter, and specialty like long Stop. snapper? Are you counting long snapper as a starting position? Uh,
1: I, ho- I hope he's counting third round receiver somewhere in there. So 12 on <laughs> offense, and 11 on defense, maybe kicker, punter.
0: Yeah, it make I more mean, sense. If, yeah, I guess if I was thinking, of, I mean, I think of starting lineups at this point as 12 on each side because you know, the third receiver is so important and the nickelback is so important. At this point, the third receiver and the nickelback are the starters. It's the second tight end or fullback who's not really, and it's the third linebacker who's not really. But I tend to think of it as 12 and 12. So I guess if you're going to add your kicker and punter in, that would be 26. But I don't think I would think, yes, the long snapper plays as much as the kicker and the punter, but I have a hard time thinking of long snapper as a starting position. (laughs) <laughs> well, at least they're set there. I mean, that, that's, um, that, that's the alternative. The, the, the talk around the combine was, I think that teams don't see Matthew as being as good as he used to be, which is why his market has been somewhat uh, tame.
2: Yeah, there's a little disconnect between his name recognition, his popularity among like the Twitter intelligentsia and what teams think of him. Between a, a scheme fit thing and between the potential loss a, a step thing, And the dollars per, you know, the money expectation for value thing. And there's still a little bit of a thought that he would go back to Kansas City. And so he was, I I think I was writing about this weeks ago. It's like the market is going to be lukewarm for the Honey Badger. And it's been lukewarm. And he could still wind up in in New Orleans because I think that they could wind up matching value with him would not be a bad fit. Going home would also not be a bad fit. Going home, I mean, to Kansas City. ATX
0: Ryan says it would be highly ironic if Matthew goes to the saints after they already signed the guy who gave him 50 aneurysms last season, Dan Sorensen.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they signed Dan Sorensen. I mean, I I don't know what to say about that except it happened. They also signed Taco Charlton this week. So, you know, Saint Saint, and of course they made that great move with the Eagles that trade, you know, everyone's really high on the saints making that trade there. Um, So (laughs) yeah, I mean, Matthew would be an upgrade over Daniel Sorensen. I, I would say that. Remember, they also got Marcus May. and I think of Marcus May more of a, more of a positive a, guy, I guess. He's, he's a free of,
0: safety. He, Marcus free May is a deep gun.
2: Right, yeah. right. So you can definitely use Tyron Matthew there at strong safety. Well, I, well, I see right there off the bat, I see three aging edge rushers. And Jay Molnar, 94, says, how is Clowney still on the list? Well, he's still on the list because he's Jadavian Clowney and he has his moments. But this is a common thing with the aftermarket where everybody waits for the aging edge rusher after the draft see who they got and then like the con- contenders offer him the incentive lead. yeah
0: more. justin houston has signed in june type yes I mean, he's, he's yeah. like the perfect example of what Clowney and ingram now are uh-huh. where and dwight freeney was like this for a couple of years also yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Like, like these guys don't really need minicamp i don't really want to go to minicamp all things so they're fine with signing you know right before right before the season starts right
2: and, and I think uh, Clowney's market really is very lukewarm to what Jay Molnar is saying. I don't think there's tons of people lined up. Yeah, to, the only
0: rumor I've seen is a return is that he would go back to the Browns.
2: Right, right. Hicks might be the most surprising one there uh, because you could see him coming in and, you know, being a wave, you know, rotating him with another tackle in there and just dominating in the middle. And that one of these teams that are closer to contention hasn't made a move for him yet.
0: Yeah, he's still a useful player. Defensive tackles usually last longer than other defensive players.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, um, and he always had a high energy, you know, high impact when he's on the field reputation. It's not like somebody like Clowney who you <laughs> might be a little worried about who you're getting snap to snap.
0: Gilmore is the other one. Yes. Uh, Eagles, Chiefs, and Raiders have all been connected to him. It,
2: uh, Chiefs are connected I, to every cornerback. That's yeah. Right.
0: And the Eagles are kind of too, with Steven Nelson still out there.
2: Yeah. And the Eagles could probably squeeze him in cap wise here. By the way, I'm just checking who's got cap space for 2022. I'm looking at the top. We have the Panthers who are not going to bring Gilmore back. That would be foolish. They're better off sort of banking things right now. You have the Texans who have terrible taste in free agents. And most of these guys would probably be pretty lukewarm about going there unless they really like Levy. You've got the Colts at third, and we all know that uh, Chris Ballard, like sitting on his uh, his pile of money and uh, Ursay's pile of money, and not spending it. So that's one of the other things you got. You don't have like those high high end. Um, what do you call it? high end? Uh, uh, I mean, uh,
0: if if I were the Colts, I would jump into the pool at this point. Yeah. I w- when we get to the offensive free agents, the Colts could need uh, could really use an outside cornerback right now.
2: Mm-hmm. The
0: Colts could really use a wide receiver, so they're not starting Ashton Doolin. The Colts could really use a left tackle, so they're not starting Matt Pryor. Mm-hmm. And there are very prominent remaining free agents at all three of those positions. I don't think the Colts would sign all three of those guys, but they could certainly spend some of that money and sign one of them. And, I, you know, Gilmore has not been linked to them, but right. like he would make a lot of logical sense for them.
2: I agree. I mean they lost Rocky scene in the uh Ngankwe trade to the Raiders. Uh so and and here he is. He's on the market. If he's on the market at this point, you can probably play ball with him a little bit. I think he can still play. I did not watch a lot of mid to late season Panthers like really focusing on their secondary, but I'm, I'm under the impression this guy is still playing at a very, very high level. Absolutely. He, he was he was I think he was my second best cornerback available and just the market just has not been there.
0: Right okay. right now the starting outside corners for Indianapolis are Brandon Fasson, who came from the Raiders. Yeah. And Isaiah Rogers, who was a 2026th round pick.
2: Okay. And I think he played pretty well, but that's not you can upgrade.
0: i Kenny Moore is kick's ass, but Kenny Moore yeah, is a, a slot. is a specialized slot guy.
2: Right. And Todd is um, pointing out that this is the year Paris Campbell has his breakthrough has Yeah, healthy, yes. running those little crossing routes.
0: You know what? My comment about the Colts needing wide receivers assumes that Paris Campbell is healthy. Even if Paris Campbell is healthy as the starting slot receiver, they're still starting Ashton Doolin on the outside. Right now, the top three receivers in Indianapolis are Pittman, Ashton Doolin, and Campbell. And after Ashton Doolin is Kiki Kuti, who I guess is actually, he's more after Campbell or Desmond Patman, who was a 2026th-round pick who nobody knows anything about. Um,
2: And Tidal in the wind, uh, and they might bring him back. I mean, I know there's
0: lots of rookies in this draft. There are a lot of rookies, but the Colts have room for a rookie-wide receiver and a free agent-wide receiver. Let's bring up the offensive, the top remaining offensive free agents since we're talking about these guys. Now, unfortunately, the top wide receiver is not going to be ready to play <laughs> until november yeah, there's no mystery why beckham hasn't signed signed yet right.
1: I, it's one of those things where i th- i'm going to assume he's going to go back to the rams in like october or november kind of thing but it, from his point of view at this point it makes sense to wait i guess maybe maybe Stefan gets hurt maybe the rams aren't contending in november you can just go to whatever contending team happens to need a wide receiver the most yeah there, there's a rumor in the uh Cleveland plain dealer a week ago that that OBJ is open to the possibility of returning to the Browns, which would be the most hilarious possible outcome, uh, you know, that, that, we could see. So I'm rooting for that,
0: but. There's, a, yeah, I, there's yeah. a lot of obvious teams that need receivers, but again, like you said, you know, why do you sign Beckham now? Why not wait to see how his recovery goes? And if you're Beckham, why not wait to see how these teams look in October when you sign somewhere? But like, when you're talking about Jarvis Landry, Right, there is some rumors that he might just go back to Cleveland. Right. Atlanta, obviously. Yeah. Um, Kansas City is apparently interested in him. Houston could use receivers. Indianapolis, like I said. Green Bay needs receivers. Chicago needs receivers. Yeah. Landry's market has been slow because I think he overpriced himself. It's, it's,
1: at one yeah. point in the offseason, he said he wanted $20 million a year. Yeah, and I, mean, I mean, so do I. But uh, neither of us are going to get it. So <laughs> – I, I think that's why like he was, he was kind of hoping that, oh, I'm going to get this huge deal on the back of all these teams getting huge deals. And everyone kind of went, you're Jarvis Landry. You're,
2: you're good, but right. y- you're Jarvis Landry. You just, everyone's waiting for that number to come down a little bit. Landry's always here. He always mm-hmm. thinks he's here. And like a big chunk of Twitter always puts him here for whatever reason, you know. Exactly. I, if I've got, if I've got one of He's drum-
0: used so badly by his teams that he ends up with terrible advanced stats because they won't throw him the ball more than five yards downfield. Yeah, his yeah. Miami numbers were terrible, and that just
1: that just poisoned
0: the well forever,
1: talking about him.
2: Right. If I've got a young quarterback, and it's like, okay, somebody's got to catch those little shallow drags and things like that, I would grab him. He's, he's been a professional in the locker room, despite high contract demands, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. and he gobbles up those little ones, and it's like, we'll figure hit out what we're doing with our offense later, but, but again, not at the $20 million a year mark, not when there's like a lot of guys in the draft class, a lot of guys at lower level free agency that can do similar things
0: and then Dwayne Brown talking about the Colts like uh-huh. the Colts could use a left tackle to replace Eric Fisher and they are absolutely a playoff contender and there's Dwayne Brown out there and if you're 36 why do you want to go back to the rebuilding Seahawks and the Panthers are apparently interested in Dwayne Brown why the hell would you want to go there okay. like shoot man I would if I'm Dwayne Brown my I would have my agent calling Indy what? Like, don't even wait for them to call. Just call them yourself and be like, I, can can I please come play for a team that's going to win more than six games?
2: Chris Ballard right now, it's his, I don't want to spend any money impulse, and I want a temporary one-year solution impulse. <laughs> and they're fighting, fighting right now. I say, like, what are we going to do about Dwayne Brown? We can solve left tackle for exactly one year, which is how we solve all of our problems. But it will cost a little more than we want to spend. So I, I can see him ending up there. Again, you're right. It's not a terrible solution. If you've got Matt Ryan, you better protect him. Yeah. And Brown's one of the best, you know, candidates in the market.
0: And I don't know if that's just a one-year solution. You sign him to just a one-year contract, but just because he's 36, yeah. but offensive tackles can – good offensive tackles last a long time. He
2: might have two or three years left. It's possible. It is possible.
0: Um, and then the other guy I have on this list is uh, J.C. Treder. Yes. Who I think is still a pretty good center. That's a guy the Colts don't need. So here's (laughs) that's a position the Colts don't need. But uh, the Ravens could really use a center. Yes.
2: Yes, they could.
0: Right now they're starting Tristan Colon Castillo.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of teams are waiting to see where Linda Baum in the draft from Iowa ends up, and Zion Johnson, the other really good center in the draft ends up before they commit money, particularly a team like a Ravens. I'm kind of looking up their cap situation. It's probably pretty yucky right now. Yeah. They're at the point now where they can sign their rookies. Obviously they can make moves to bring guys in, but this would be a thing where like, well, let's see if we get the center of our dreams dropped to us.
0: Yeah. I, that would also make sense. I think for the Jaguars, but the Jaguars, those guys are not dropping to the top of the second round for the Jaguars. So the Jaguars either have to trade up for one of those guys or they should consider signing Treader now yeah. that Brandon Linder retired.
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's a good fit there because you're spending all this money, get a center that's going to upgrade your line calls and, and, you know, keep your young quarterback comfortable.
0: Yeah. And uh, yes, Todd Singer is pointing out that the Colts are saying things like Matt Pryor will get first shot at left tackle. I mean, I love I think that of those three holes, I think wide receiver is the biggest of, you know, the Colts holes that I talked about, like the mm-hmm. wide receiver is the biggest of those three holes, but uh, four holes if you want to throw in safety also, but wide receiver is also the easiest one to fill in the draft
2: this year. Yeah. So you wait. Of course they don't have a first round pick. I, li- I just, I'm just rubbing salt. I'm just rubbing salt right now in the Colts wounds.
0: <laughs> so they have a couple seconds though, right?
2: They have one second, I believe. I was or, just doing of whatever off.
0: they got for Carson Wentz.
2: Yes, I believe they got a third back for Carson. Uh, I was just f- wrapping up a mock for them, but they do not have a first. So that there does... be
0: good wide receivers down there in the third. There will
2: be absolutely
0: all right. Uh, all right. I think that does it for today's show. Yes, anything else you guys want to add about the uh, off season and that has slowed down to such a ridiculous extent over the last week? I'm <laughs> I'm glad it
1: has. Yeah, it, it's weird that it has, but yeah, it, 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 it's it, it's 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 the load for a little bit here.
2: Yeah, everything's off by a week right now. Like mm-hmm. everything was a week longer in the season, so the combine was a week later, and then free agency came a week later, and so it smashed into some other things that we're not used to along the way. But there's usually a lull. This is the season of draft. Of course, you can catch my Tuesday draft live stream of all of the really nutty draft up and down and who's visiting which team and the smoke screens and things like that. And that's, that's about where we are in mid April. Usually it, it does quiet down a little bit. And again, right. remember everybody. you can draft a player who hasn't visited you. Yes. And you can meet with a player who and not draft him, and not draft him. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I love it though, because it it keeps, it keeps everybody, it keeps everybody busy. It keeps everybody busy. You know, so right. that's great. Just don't ask me
0: to do it. Thank, make- you. <laughs> oh, Thank you. all for watching the show. Thank you for listening on the football outsiders podcast network. Don't forget to like and review the show. And I know we're in the off season, but still tell all your friends, please watch the football outsiders off season shows, Mike and Derek Klassen's Tuesday draft show at 1 PM. This show covering the off season at 1 uh, PM on Thursdays splash Play pod uh, at 2:30 on Monday and Friday with Peter and Chris Spags. Uh thank you for commenting. Thank you for being part of the discussion. And I will see you next Thursday for another off-season podcast slash live stream. Take care, everybody.